Hello, and welcome to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Let's unpack the relationships that we encounter in our daily lives and learn about what makes them tick. And now your host for Red Rock Relationships, Dr. James B. Stein. I think we may need to get a new introduction because we are here to close out five seasons of Triple R, and it just feels like we need, I don't know, it feels like we need uh, a new vibe. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later, but before we do, it's it's time to, to have our final episode of, of season five, and we've been talking about health, we've been talking about the body, and of course, we've been talking about relationships. And so to help me close things out, uh, making her first appearance on the show since earning her doctoral degree, welcoming back <laughs> Dr. Callie Graham. Thank you for coming back, Callie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's weird still to hear Dr. Callie Graham, but you know what? <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> As you should, and you should flaunt it because you, you earned it. And unless you uh, do something egregiously awful with your data collections moving forward, you will always have that title. So they can't take that away from you. Um, <laughs> uh, we were fortunate enough to bump into each other at the National Communication Association uh, Conference just last month. Uh, and I said, remember when you said you'd be on the pod? And you said, oh, yeah, that's right. So it's, it's, glad, it's good to have you here. I'm excited about it. <laughs> yes, it should be fun. Always a good time. <laughs> <laughs> so last time you were here. It was quite some time ago, actually, now that I think about it. Last time you were here, we talked about toxic yeah. relationships, which is obviously your your area of focus, your area of expertise. But today we're here to talk the op talk about the opposite. We're here to talk about healthy relationships. And on Monday, I actually gave a brief interview with St. George News, and one of the questions posed to me was, well, what even is a healthy relationship? And I almost... I found myself almost unable to answer that question. And so I think I want to clear that up a little bit to start things off. So maybe can, instead of trying to offer like one big comprehensive definition of what it means to be in a healthy relationship, what are some qualities maybe that you might expect or look for in a healthy quote unquote relationship? <laughs> right. Because what is healthy for one person may not be healthy for right. another. Yes. So speaking in general terms, um, I would say an element for healthy relationships, um, especially healthy romantic relationships or uh, voluntary relationships is balance. It's a balance of give and take and receive not just give, 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 and someone take, 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 but a, a mutual mm. giving and taking and having all of the good stuff. Um, and pretty even keel. So you don't have these drastic highs and these plummeting lows. And it's, for the most part, it's, it's pretty stable. Um, and it's not tumultuous in nature. I would say... In my opinion, one of the most important qualities for a healthy relationship is listening. And it's important to note it is listening to understand. It's not listening to refute. Hmm. It's listening to understand the other person's perspective and then take that and make a change. So to me, it's it's about balance helping one another and seeking to understand one another and moving forward from that point. 
Yeah, I think you bring up a really important point about like the mutual give and take. Obviously, as a theorist, it brings me straight to equity theory. But for yes. uh, for, right, for those who are not like walking almanacs of communication theory, basically the idea is like everybody has this like kind of implicit rewards cost ratio, right? That's floating around in their head uh, for, for all of their relationships. And when it falls out of whack, we start to mm, reconsider the relationship. And of course, we must also be aware that whoever else is in the relationship with us has a similar uh, process, right? And so if we look at our rewards and costs versus another person's rewards and costs, and those two things line up, that that might traditionally in most relationships, right, resemble good health. And I really think you make a good point about like not having the super high highs and the super low lows kind of staying in a more even space there. So I think that those, those are really applicable to most relationships because to your first point, what is healthy for one person is not healthy for another. I think that's super, mm -hmm. a super important caveat for sure. Yes. I'm always about context. Always about context. Yes. So. <laughs> it reminds me of in my classes when students write papers that involve the love languages. And I'm like, oh, mm. well, those are fun. Right. We're having fun. But let's remember mm -hmm. that there's no empirical data that support the love languages. And uh, as a result, if you end your relationship because your love language was touch and theirs was words of affirmation, that's probably not something that you should be making relationship decisions on. And the same goes for, oh, my relationship doesn't resemble a healthy relationship as I've seen portrayed, I don't know, in the media, right? And so just because yeah, it doesn't look like that. Don't, mm -hmm. Just don't. The media is not the place to go to look for uh, healthy relationships. Oh, we're going to- There are a couple. But, you know, <laughs> no, we're going to get to healthy relationships in the media next season. Uh, but okay. for, for now, let's <laughs> let's move yeah. on. Uh, the theme of this season was health and the body, of course, mediated by relationships. Do you mm -hmm. think that there might be any ways in which having a healthy relationship now that we kind of understand that the definition is subjective? If we consider our relationship to be healthy. Are there any ways in which that can improve our bodily or, and or mental health? Oh, 100%. Um, so one thing I like to tell my students is that humans require touch. Mm. Haptics is important to our development. If babies are not held and they don't have skin to skin contact, like they do not thrive. They and die. It causes, they die. If they <laughs> yes, they die. And if they survive, they have lifelong problems developing any sort of social relationships. Mm. So we know that human touch is important intrinsically to, to how people human. That's now a verb. Um, <laughs> but with, with human touch, and of course, this is a, a gentle, caring touch, not you know, a punch to the face, um, but it can help lower your stress. Um, it can help lower anxiety levels. Um, if you have someone who is willing to listen, mm. um, even just articulating your thoughts can help decrease the, the stress that you're under, whether it is physiological or psychological. Nice. Yeah, I, I like the bl the blending there, right? Of of but they all kind of overlap. Um, yes. Yeah. So, 
as I as I think about uh, uh, you know uh, the mental health aspect, which is an area that we've really been talking a lot about um, mm-hmm. this season, uh, it strikes me that in many ways a relationship can obviously contribute to our mental health in a good way, but it can also be a drag on our mental health. And I think one of the common misconceptions that a lot of people get hitched on is that if their relationship is causing them stress, that it's time to bail, right? Kind of like this idea of, we talked about this when we were going over like toxic relationships, like using that as an excuse to exit a relationship that might not be toxic, but might just require work. So I'm going to, I'm going to use that to ever so gracefully transition into my next question. Okay. <laughs> Which is uh, the the dangers of a healthy relationship. And so we've talked about some of these like implicit relational dangers. Like we talked about uh, the, the uh, you know, the flippant demanding that communication is key without contextualizing it at all. Or uh, we talked about body positivity and toxic body positivity with Dr. Hall much earlier on in the semester. So I'm wondering if you can locate for us any of the maybe dangers that are associated uh, w- when we constantly strive for quote unquote healthy relationships, like what are some of those pitfalls that we might subject ourselves to? Right. So it's important to remember that healthy does not mean perfect. Mm. Those are not the same. Um, just like with exercise, if you want to be healthy, you know, do your cardio, do your weights, but you don't want to overdo it or it's too much stress on your body and it can cause problems. Mm. So if you are constantly striving for this like excessive level of health for your relationship, it's not going to happen and it's going to put stress on the relationship. So it's, it's important to have realistic expectations. It's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows and you're going to have, you know, some, times where it's, it's a lot of work and effort. Um, but just because it takes effort doesn't mean it's unhealthy. Um, so I think monitoring your expectations, certainly do not look at the media cause that mm, just don't. <laughs> um, but <laughs> that's, that's my advice there. Um, but we, we can't have a 100% healthy relationship all the time. You're going to have days where you personally are down. You're having a rough day and you may not respond the best to your partner um, and, and vice versa. So you have to have empathy and understanding and recognize that just because someone did something once that wasn't awesome, don't immediately bail depending on what that one thing was, but you know, <laughs> yeah. more details later. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, but if it's not something that's terribly severe, um, you know, that doesn't mean the relationship's unhealthy. It just had a hiccup mm. and, and it's something to work through as opposed to being like done. I'm done. Mm. I'm not doing that. Yeah. yeah. No, that's a really good point. Um, you know what that makes me think about? Uh, have you watched White Lotus? Someone just asked me that. No. What is this? What is this about? Okay. So White Lotus um, is a show on HBO Max about a chain of super luxury hotels. So season one takes place in, I don't know, like Cancun or something. Season two takes place in Italy. 
I just started season two. Uh, I'm I'm way behind it uh, with my girlfriend who is like demanding that I watch it so that she doesn't spoil it for me while simultaneously wanting to talk about it. Anyway, um, the show revolves around a number of like colliding stories, but in season two, there's this one couple who it's it's like picture like the most privileged couple you know, like they're just wealthy and and pretty and like infuriating in that way, right? So the reason the reason I bring that up is because they are like the prime example of this like fictitious idea of like oh my relationship is healthy simply because I repeat that it is over and over and over again and like it like it's it's exhausting to watch them exist like they say things like you would expect in a toxic relationship like oh we never fight you know what I mean? Like those those kinds of like, oh, well, we've never had an argument. Therefore, our relationship is perfect. And like they present this yeah. super perfect relationship. Now I'm only two episodes in. I have a feeling that they are going to implode. And I'm very much looking forward yes. to it. But um, I, I think it's a really good example of what you were just talking about in so much as like th- these dangers that are associated with like. I must have a healthy relationship and therefore I'm going to like, I'm going to manifest it. And if it's not absolutely perfect, I'm bailing. So I imagine someone's going to do yeah. something ever so slightly wrong. And then also, and and just as right. a side note, um, Jennifer Coolidge is in the show and she is just such a treat. Like what a gift to watch her act. She's tremendous. I really recommend the show. Might talk about them next I'm going to have to watch it. Someone else asked me and I, they, I was like, I've not heard of this. So it's really good. Twice in a week. That means I need to do it. It's that's really my, good. Yeah, season, season one was tremendous. So it's like we're just gonna put a bow on this before we move on. It's it's the opposite of a who done it. So somebody dies, and then you're trying to figure out who dies across the season. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's a good take. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway. Speaking of that terrible couple, one of the big things that they do, again, a nice little transition here. One of the big things that that terrible couple does is this like overt presentation of the health of their relationship. And I think that like the Western standards of relational success really demand that we provide evidence, right, or proof Like, prove that your relationship is good. And so combined with what we know about some of the more toxic elements of social media writ large, are there any risks that present themselves as we try our best to demonstrate that we're having a healthy relationship as opposed, for example, to actually experiencing one? Yes, um, <laughs> that's that's exactly it, right? Because we know social media is a portrayal mm-hmm. of an instant in time. It is not representative of the entirety of something. Um, so, I mean, research indicates that couples who post excessively on social media are actually having relationship issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> keep an eye out for that. <laughs> um, but it's... Obviously, we know the dangers of social media, um, but if you are trying to pose something um, and, you know, get the angle just right and the lighting and the camera, it, it detracts from your lived experience. Um, and, you know, you want 
the world to know that you are in a healthy relationship. Mm -hmm. You don't want them to think that it's horribly abusive. Um, and so you may post sweet things like, Oh, look at what my partner did. They brought me coffee when I was blah, 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 whatever. Um, and that's totally fine, mm. but it's not an everyday. My partner's amazing. Everything they do is wonderful. Oh my gosh, they wiped their butt today. I'm so proud of them. <laughs> like that is that's too that's that's too much. Um, so again, it kind of comes back to balance mm -hmm. um, because we know that we tend to disclose negative relational events to our social network in general, as opposed to more positive ones. Mm -hmm. Um, so I do see social media as a way to be like, Oh, Hey, see, I don't just complain about my partner. <laughs> uh, there are nice things too. Um, but it does, it comes back to the balance and just living in the moment and not the younger generations in particular. Um, are very concerned with image management. That is the world that they were brought up in. They are not a person. They are an image. They are a brand. Mm. And when their relationship does not fit the image or the brand, it can cause problems. Um, so I think reframing like, oh, that wasn't the best picture, but it's us laughing and joking and having fun. Um, instead of trying to be like, we must work the angles mm -hmm. at all times. Um, but that's, that's my take. I try to not post a bunch when I'm in a relationship on social media um, because I I like to just have that with me and my partner. Mm. But bigger events I would probably share. Yeah, and then, like, I have a couple of thoughts here. But, like, what I really think about is, like, if you're going to post all of these, like, grandiose, like, dedications to your partner, what happens when that relationship ends? Now you're going to what? You're going to go all through your Instagram and clear all your posts. And like that in itself is a very public acknowledgement of a breakup. Um, yeah. Whereas like I'm like you, I'm sparing in my posts. And like I still have posts up from previous relationships where where like yeah. where like I it was like a hashtag woman crush Wednesday or something like that. And like it's from like five mm -hmm. years ago. Right. And I don't I don't think anyone's scrolling back to see it. But like. I felt like removing that was like a, was removing a part of my life, like a chapter of my life. Yeah. And so I feel like if I had posted like 30, 40, 50 of those though, they would have needed to come down. Cause otherwise it would have looked like I was obsessing over my ex. So I think you make a really yeah. good point there. And then the other thought I have on that is, are you familiar with be real? No. What oh. is this? So be real is an up and coming, um, social media app. I downloaded it, got bored with it because all my friends are millennials and this is a heavy Gen Z app. So I had like okay. I had like three people to do this with, but it's called Be Real. And what you do is it goes off for every single person in the world at the exact same time. And in that moment, you take a picture of whatever it is that you're doing, no matter what it is. You take a picture Aww. of yourself and what you're looking at. So it takes a two-sided picture and you can redo it right? You can wait a couple of hours, but it tells people. It'll be like, so James attempted this picture three times or James posted four and a half hours late. And it is that like, is interesting. it's very interesting. And to me, it feels like an attempt to like ground Gen Z in the moment, kind of like you were talking about. And it seems to be working really well. Like I will, 
I'll be in the middle of teaching and I'll see like three students like all pull out their phone at the exact same time. And then one whispers to another, be real. And I'm like, oh yeah, be real went off. So it's, it's a little culty in that way, but it's also encouraging people to quite literally be real. I think that it, it's got a, a really bright future ahead of it. And now TikTok also has a be real feature on it. Oh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I know, right? And That's so if we healthy. could if we can take like a be real, yeah, you talk about health, right? If we could, I feel like if we can take this be real approach with our relationships where it's like, yeah, you know what? That wasn't the best picture of us. Uh, but I already, you know, I already ate the food, so I'm not going to try and retake a picture of the of the food, right? Like if we can just accept the fact that photos don't have to be perfect and presentations don't have to be spotless, we can still celebrate our relationships in ways that don't put like this undue pressure on us and force everyone into this like unattainable mode of perfection, you know? And I feel like that's good yes. for our mental health and for the relationship. Yes, <laughs> completely agree. Okay. We have a couple of minutes left. And so for the first time, I think all season, we're going to get to our bonus question. Um, bonus question. Yeah. And your bonus question is of course related to toxic relationships. And here it is. There's a lot of toxic relationships that don't exactly present themselves as such in the beginning, right? Like most of us, we kind of get mm -hmm. tricked into it by no fault of our own. We get victimized, right? So my question is, what are some behaviors that someone might see pop up in a, quote, healthy relationship that might also pop up in a toxic relationship? So I guess I'm asking you for orange flags. Orange flags. OK, um, so one element of a healthy relationship is that you are you still maintain your sense of self and you are in. And again, this is also a very westernized way of approaching that. I acknowledge that. But you maintain your sense of self. Mm. Um, and you have a partnership where you go and you do things together, but you also have own your own aspects here of identity that you engage with. So whether that is, um, you know, going swimming three times a week, meeting up with your friends once a week, like whatever that is, um, if your partner keeps trying to pull you away from elements of your identity that really make you who you are, mm. um, and connections with your social network. Um, that would, that would be a, an orange flag, if you will, um, to, to say, Ooh, I need to, I need to watch out for this. Are they, you know, are these events just occurring or like, and, and not at great times that mismatch with my schedule or, are these being intentionally planned in a way that I am not permitted to see my friends, my family, Ooh, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And I think, I think that can be yes. dis, dis, uh, disguised as, oh, well, we're spending yes. so much time together and we're learning so much about each other. It reminds me of back when yes. I was at ASU, I was in a relationship and I was like, you know, I really love that she provides the freedom that I have to do things like hang out with my social network. And then I realized that she was never there for it. And, and so what, what I originally perceived as, oh, she's like super open to the idea of like me being autonomous and having agency. It was really, she's not interested in meeting my friends. Right. Right. So it, that, it, right. that's kind of what you're getting at. Yeah. Like, the, like what, what's good in one moment isn't necessarily several months later. Yes. Um, and you know, at the start of relationships, we do tend to want to spend a lot of time with that person. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's understandable that you may be seeing your social circle less than normal. Um, 
But, you know, after the, the initial excitement of it all, it is important to make the effort to spend time with your friends, spend time with your family, have um, partner experiences with your social network and solo experiences with your social network. Mm-hmm. I mean, someone, they might really like your partner, but they just want some you time. So it's it's important, again, to have that balance. Yeah. I'm all like healthy relationships are about balance. Yeah, well, now you're getting, um, now you're getting into my area of research. Now you get into my dissertation. That's how it works here. That's uh, what we do. We've been making some great <laughs> transitions. Uh, and speaking of transitions, there's another one. Uh, it's time to transition into the end of season five. Isn't that crazy? So I'll start. <laughs> I'll start by thanking you, Callie. Thank you so much for joining the show again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love this show. <laughs> Good to hear. Well, so thanks to you. Thanks to all the guests for the season. Thanks to, of course, our producer, Sean Denovan, for putting all this together and for doing the, uh, <laughs> turning my volume up there, making sure that he gets those, uh, the, the round of applause. Need to hear it, right? So uh, we will be back next semester. I've got some big plans. We are going to be deviating away from theory and more toward practical application. Hashtag active learning, active life. But until then, I'm really looking forward to break. I hope you enjoy yours, Callie. I hope everybody does. See you next time. You've been listening to Red Rock Relationships, a podcast about communication. Thank you so much for giving us some of your time. If you'd like to be on the show or have questions for us, please send us an email to redrockrelationships at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Just search Red Rock Relationships. Thank you again. And remember, it all begins with good communication. This has been a production from a podcast studio.